0: Imagine you're buying something from another website. You just never quite know when that thing's going to show up, right? Like, you're just like, man, that thing's going to be here one of these days. But you're excited that it's coming. So the key is to, as we are waiting on the Lord, waiting patiently, we have to learn how to keep that excitement. Oh, this thing's coming. It's going to be awesome. When this thing shows up and God works us out, man, this is going to be great. So we're eager. We're waiting for it because we know it's not here yet, but we do it with perseverance.
1: We don't quit waiting for it. Are you eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus? Some days, you'd probably say yes, but others, you lose focus on the big picture. It's hard to wait, and it's even harder to wait enthusiastically. Today, Pastor Daniel will remind you that yes, Jesus is coming back, and you can be excited about that. And while you wait and look forward to his return, remember to do what he's asking of you on earth. Tell others about him so they can wait eagerly, too. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 5 as he continues his message. Hang in there. Jesus is
0: The problem is not the resources. The problem is the human heart as it relates to the resources, where our treasures are. Now, some of you are saying, oh, Fusco, like, I know you're going on and on about this, but like, I've never done that. Oh, Really? I have a good friend. For a long, long time, he had a, a construction business. He was a contractor. And he finally was just like, yeah, I'm done with this. So I was talking to him. I'm like, so why are you done? He's like, Daniel, there ain't nothing worse than you do all this work, and then people won't pay you. They fight with you. They won't pay you. He's like, it's heartbreaking. And then he looks at me. He's like, and don't think it's just the non-Christians. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, just because I'm someone's brother in Christ, I think they can treat me lousy. Now listen, I'm not saying that you guys are doing this But if you are, you better stop that right now This is about personal integrity How often are we these people We hire people and then we mess around I don't want to pay them that much right? I don't, no, 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 you didn't do a good job Even though they did a fine job they, they gave you exactly what you wanted But now, because when it comes to money People get what? Funny People get funny when it comes to money and James is saying, listen, where the rubber meets the road, we have to make sure that in our pursuit of a treasure that is temporary and can be degraded by time and people, that we are not falling into a lifestyle that lacks integrity. The people of God should have the most integrity. I remember when I was like a young, I was an intern at the time, I ended up becoming an assistant pastor at, uh, at this local church. And I remember I was talking to one of the elders and he was a very successful businessman. And we were just talking about the things of business and, and all this stuff. And, and he, was one, he was the person who said to me, he's like, Dan, you have to remember that when it comes to money, because at the time I was like 23, 24 years old, he's like, when it comes to money, people get funny. You know, and I'm like, well, so I'm like, okay. And he was explaining that. And he he was like, whatever you do, don't hire a Christian when you own a company. Why? I'm like, why? And he's like, because in the name of being a Christian, they think they could show up late. Oh, no big deal. We were brothers. And I'm just like, God, I'm like, dude, you're a little cynical. He's like, you wait. And I, I like, it's heartbreaking. So I, I share these examples because, but then he said to me, I'm like, well, well okay, so like, so as a business owner and at, you know, how do you counteract that? He's like, well, it's simple. As it relates to money, I give a 10th, I save a 10th and I enjoy the rest. I was like, okay, explain that. He's like, well, listen, I give God the first fruits because everything I have is his. And do you think about it? The idea of storing up treasures on earth without financial generosity to the work of God's kingdom, all you're doing is storing up treasures on earth, plain and simple, you know, And if you read the book of Malachi, people who don't give as unto the Lord, God thinks that you're robbing God. Nothing worse than robbing the all-seeing one. Like, God doesn't even have, like, secret cameras. He just knows everything. Like, it's crazy. But it's like, but that's how it is, right? And he says, so I give a tenth. And he's like, I save a tenth because the reason people don't give is because there's always some, some unexpected thing that needs to go on. So I make sure that I prepare for the unexpected things. He's like, and then I enjoy the rest. And he said something really cool to me. He said, you know, Daniel, what I've learned is that God doesn't need my money because he he's all fully sufficient, but I need to be the one who gives. He's like, because without it, without giving, no matter if you hit your retirement number, you're still going to be worried that you're not going to have enough for retirement. If you hit this number, it, it's like without the trust in the God the Lord of hosts, the all-providing one, the one who is all-sufficient, there is never enough to satisfy the anxieties that we have about the future. And so what ends up happening is, is when I think about this list of, man, you, you cheat people, and you condemn people, and you murder people, it's like what happens is, is the things that we do when we're fearful can snowball into places we just never expected. And so, brothers and sisters, what we have to remember is that when we act funny as it relates to money, when we're dishonest, when we, we don't pay our bills, when we try and find ways around it, ultimately, that is a work of injustice and oppression that ultimately God is going to get at. And the reason I know this, look at what it says next. Verse seven, James chapter five. It says, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore, what does it mean? What's it there for? I say this all the time. Because of what was just said, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain? You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord Is at hand, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now, really what James is saying here, in the midst of oppression, we have to learn how to wait with patience. We have to learn how to wait with patience. Now, notice I say wait with what? Patience, as opposed to how we normally wait, which is what? With impatience. Right, yeah, I, there's nothing I think that's more hysterical than when people like go to a restaurant because they don't feel like cooking, and the, if the food takes a little while to come out, they get all like, "Is my food coming?" It's like, bro, if you wanted it fast, go home. <laughs> like you just want to a place where all these people are eating. Like, come on, right? It's like you, you want your coffee, right? But you don't feel like making it at home, so you go to your local place with a drive-through, and you're like, know, "I can't believe the drive-through is so long." It's like if you wanted it fast, make it yourself. You went to a place where everybody wants the sugar rush and the caffeine. Like, so like, what do you expect's going to happen? right? But we get so impatient. So we have to learn how to wait with patience. And I love this because I have always said here at Crossroads, and I know it's true for my own life, that whenever the Holy Spirit repeats himself, it's because he knows you and I are thick-headed. And so the idea of being patient, look at verse 7. Therefore, be patient. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting what? Patiently. Verse eight, you also be patient. And so three times in two verses, be patient. Now here's the question. As it relates to the fixing of injustice, James tells the people of God three times to be patient. Now, why should the people of God be patient? Because notice what is also said twice in these two verses, and also at the end of verse nine the reason we should be patient to see injustice and oppression fixed is because Jesus is coming back. Notice the coming of the Lord, verse seven. Verse 8, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9, behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now, this is so important because I realize we live in a world full of oppression, full of injustice, and I believe the people of God should be active joining Jesus and the Spirit in the eradication of injustice and oppression. Why? Because God is always on the side of the oppressed, and God very much wants us to be creating heaven on earth as best we can until Jesus returns. But we never do that work in the way our world is telling us to do it by judging people being violent, being angry, and trying to create our own version of oppression because we realize that ultimately the work that we do will only be fulfilled once Jesus returns and Jesus is the judge. So really what you have now is you have this tension that the word of God creates between us, actively pursuing righteousness and justice in the world, but doing it in such a way that is not angry at anybody, not malicious or harmful of anybody, knowing that Jesus is returning. So really what it talks about is this tension of, now we have to learn how to wait patiently while still being active, but really doing the things that God has called us to in the spirit. It's kind of a deep thought if you think about it. But what I think is fascinating about it is that for most of us, the problem with the things that we don't like is we're not patient to trust that God's going to work it out. We think God needs our help. He didn't ask for our help. We just decided, like, Lord, I know how to fix this. Right? And then we run out, not in the spirit, and we try and fix everything, only to realize that we just made it way worse, and God wasn't asking us to do that anyway. So we have to learn how to wait with patience. Now, what's really beautiful is that the word patience here in the scriptures, it's literally two words in the Greek put together, the word long and the word temper. So it, literally to be patient means to be long-tempered. It means to set the timer of your temper for the long run rather than quick. So it's really God is inviting you and I not to be microwaves, but to be slow cookers. It's a good reference, isn't it? You think about it. You put something in the microwave, man, one minute thing comes out, it's hot, you gotta watch your mouth. But no, like God wants us to be a crock pot. But here's the deal, it's like, but the timer when it's really gonna be fixed is when Jesus returns. But until then, our job is to help make this world what God created it to be, that we actively work within it, but we're not trying to fix it because we know that as best as we can, we're trying to fix it, but we know ultimately only Jesus can really fix it. And so we have to learn how to wait with patience. And of course, I always think of Romans chapter 8, verse 25, where it says, but if we hope for what we do not see. Now, I love that. We're talking about hope here, and we're talking about walking by faith here. If we hope for what we do not see, we Eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I love the way the apostle Paul by the Spirit puts eagerness, waiting for it, and perseverance together. Because you think about like, you know, like we've all gotten habituated if you buy things on the internet, if you buy something from Amazon, you know, it comes pretty quickly. Even though it used to come in one day, now they're like more three days. But like, you know, it's like you got tracking and everything, but it's imagine you're buying something from another website you just never quite know when that thing's going to show up, right? Like, you're just like, man, that thing's going to be here one of these days. But you're excited that it's coming. So the key is to, as we are waiting on the Lord, waiting patiently, we have to learn how to keep that in excitement. Oh, this thing's coming. It's going to be awesome. When this thing shows up and God works us out, man, this is going to be great. So we're eager, we're waiting for it because we know it's not here yet, but we do it with perseverance. We don't quit waiting for it. And James uses this great example of the farmer... Who needs the early and latter rain? Now, in where James lived, it wasn't like where we live here. The early rain came in October, November, and the latter rain came in like March, April. So there was like a, for us, a fall rain and a spring rain. And for the farmers, as long as they had their grounds prepared, they put in good seed. If they got the early and latter rain, they were going to get a harvest. Now, here, it pretty much starts raining. At Labor Day and doesn't stop until the 4th of July. So we don't have like a rain problem. We have a moss problem because of all the rain, but not a rain problem. You know, but for them, it's like for that farmer, his job is to till the ground, plant the seed, and trust that God's gonna bring the early and latter rain. And he's saying, listen, as it relates to oppression and things being made right, as believers, we have to learn how to do our part and trust God to do the rest. And that's a very important and powerful thing. Now, we'd be apt right here to move on, but James chapter five, verse nine has been so convicting to me over the last three weeks that like, I don't want us to miss this. Is everyone ready? Everyone take a big deep breath in. Out, go ahead. You're gonna need one more of those. A little deeper this time. In, out. Here you go. How many of you guys remember Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? You guys remember that video game, like early video games, like so old that I don't even know it would be considered video games anymore. But there was this thing where you, where you can hit that button when you got the thing and it's like the long wind-up. Yeah, here comes the knockout blow, the uppercut. Here you go. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So in a whole section where James, inspired by the Spirit, is talking to us about patience, he personalizes it to don't grumble against one another. Now think about what grumbling is. Complaining is what we do outwardly. Grumbling is what we do what? Inwardly. See, James is saying, it's not enough to say, hey, listen, we got to wait with patience. Jesus is coming back. We can trust he's going to do it. He's saying, but while you're waiting, you need to let that patience, the fruit of the Spirit, do a work in your heart so that you don't grumble against everything in the process. Now, can I just be honest? I am a world-class grumbler. Like, how often do I find myself in a situation? Now I love Jesus, and I'm a pastor, so I've like mastered the art of smiling. So I look so, so, so angelic and fun, but inside I'm like I'm like Yosemite Sam, you're suffering, you know. It's on the inside, and nobody knows it's happening except for Jesus and me if I pay attention to it. But it's like I have like this continual grumbling going on the inside. And then I read this in the sections on patience, and I'm like, oh Lord. And then I share this with a couple people, like, I have that too. Everyone has it. So here's the deal don't grumble against one another on the inside. Now, stop for a second. Ask yourself this question How often do you catch yourself grumbling? Well, I was like, all day. Someone's like, I was grumbling in my dreams last night. I was having an argument with my boss while I was sleeping last night. See, I had so much grumbling, it came out when I was sleeping, right? But here's the deal. We are all world-class grumblers, and we grumble about everything. I think about all the time internally in our hearts that we're grumbling about this. Like If you watch football today, I guarantee you're going to grumble. Because even if your team wins, they're still going to be crazy. like, why'd they call that play? And why'd the umps call that thing? And why did this thing happen? Right? And even if you don't like football, you're grumbling right now that I talked about football. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that everyone was grumbling. I can't believe we go to crosses. Fusco's talking to us about our wealth and, 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 and our treasures. And I don't want him to talk about that. And, like, we have so much grumbling. But, like, James is so... Like, it's so powerful, because not only does he say do not grumble against, but then he he throws in that brethren. Like, it's so sweet. Like, and do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. And you're like, oh. What would your life look like if you didn't grumble so much? Imagine if you never grumbled about the government. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Yes! Yes! Imagine if you never grumbled about your job. Imagine if you never grumbled about your parents. Or your kids. Imagine if you never grumbled when you were driving. (laughs) If I had a mic to drop, I'd drop it with both hands. But brothers and sisters, this is where life in Christ, this is where the abundant life gets so powerful. Because when we don't spend our time grumbling, we can spend our time being part of the solution, like praying. Like, praising God. Like, it's like, when you grumble, you keep yourself from being part of the work that God wants to do in that situation, because grumbling is saying, my way is better, and it would be better if it was the way I wanted it. It's impatient and it's self-centered. So what if God is inviting all of us today to say, let's let Jesus transform our grumbling into glorifying? So here's what we're gonna do. You're all gonna pray for me because I confess my grumbling publicly. But I know we all got it. So let's pray for each other with that. No one will know that you're grumbling unless you tell them. Like Now, some of us are a little bit more expressive. So like, my bride knows when I'm grumbling. She's like, you got that look on your face. No, I don't. You know? But like, God wants to do a work. And like, I want to encourage you, confess that to one another. Like that grumbling, I just figure everyone is struggling with this in a certain way. Maybe one of you is like so holy that you never grumble and God bless you. And we're all grumbling because of your holiness. No, I'm just kidding. But, But you know what I mean? It's like, this is real life. But it's like grumbling is impatience on the inside. And so if God is calling us to wait with patience, he's saying, listen, I don't want you to grumble anymore. I want your heart to be at peace with me. And in the circumstances that I have you in, even though things are not yet where you want it to be. And I believe that, if can you imagine the amount of freed up heart space and time God is giving us if we just say, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to grumble about my boss. I'm not going to grumble about my job. I'm not going to grumble about my lack of job. I'm not going to grumble about the government. I'm not going to grumble about sports. I'm not going to grumble about the economy. I'm not going to grumble that I don't like that my favorite Dancing with Stars person got voted off last week because it's just Dancing with the Stars. There'll be another season next year and if you watch that stuff, I'm praying for you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, know what I mean? like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like we, we spend so much time being impatient on the inside, let alone what we do on the outside. So... That was a nasty verse, wasn't it? Go ahead, circle that in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead, say it right there. It's a rough one. Okay, there's one more step for us to take. Look what it says. Picking up in verse 10, James chapter five. It says, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endured You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Now, really what we learn here is that we need to learn grit from the prophets, we need to learn perseverance or resilience. It all means the same thing. It's this ability to keep going, to hang in there, to keep on showing up when things are wrong. And really, we have the prophets as a great example of that. Now, I think it's fascinating that he's saying, listen, he's saying, look to the prophets, right? He's saying, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, they are an example of suffering and patience. Now, if you think about the prophets, like you think about someone like Jeremiah, right? Like, Jeremiah's life as a prophet, we like, man, the prophet Jeremiah, but you read the book of Jeremiah, you realize that Jeremiah's story is really lousy because he's saying the most unpopular things and he's in trouble for it at every turn. There are times when Jeremiah is in jail, they threw him in a pit, which wasn't like some cool spelunking thing. It was like, it was nasty. It was like a, a muddy pit. And they left him in there. Like Jeremiah is in trouble at every turn, but he's a great example of suffering and also perseverance. Now, what's funny is if you read the book of Jeremiah, and I encourage you to, as a prophet, was Jeremiah always like, yes, I'm gonna keep going? No. There's a scene in the book of Jeremiah where Jeremiah is so frustrated with the messages God is giving him and the reception he's getting he's like, that's it, Lord, I'm done. He like, he gave back his prophet card. I'm done. I'm not saying anything else in the Lord's name. And he literally like, stopped talking. And then he said, but the Lord's word burned within me. Because God had him on that slow cooker, you know what I mean? It's like, it was in there. And all of a sudden he's like, and he had to share. So the idea of learning grit from, in the prophets, what you find in the Bible is that not, it's not always easy.
1: Well, that wasn't the easiest message to hear, but it's worthwhile because God wants to do something in you. He wants to transform you and give you the life you've never known. Pastor Daniel encouraged you today to take the words of James seriously, to practice patience and to stop grumbling. And while you're working on those, lean on Jesus. Let Him show you how to do both well as you continue to serve Him. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the
0: world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you.
1: Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio as Pastor Daniel begins to wrap up his study in the book of James. It's been an intense personal study. He's been looking at ways to truly apply what you learn in the Bible to your everyday life, putting feet on your faith, actually living like Jesus in this world. But the lessons aren't over. James still has more to say about prayer and about your personal relationship with the Lord. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Where the Rubber Meets the Road. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.